0: Hey, what's up, Rich? Hey, how's it going? How you doing, man?
1: Yeah, good. I love your hat. Oh, thanks. Yeah, my in-laws were down in a, a group trip to Hawaii last year you know, before all lockdown. And uh, one thing I asked them for, I love hats. So one thing I asked them for was uh, a craft beer hat. The floral, the better. And they somehow found this hat, which oh, was oh. perfect. It got better, man.
0: It's a Maui Brewing Company hat. Yeah, they're really popular.
1: That's awesome. Well. Yeah,
0: nice. Okay. So um, let me introduce myself, give a little background of why I'm here. And then um, we'll, we'll introduce everybody. Uh, you introduce yourself to everybody. So my name is Abner. I live on the beautiful island of Maui in Hawaii. I own a couple of surf schools here, Hanglu Surf Club and Opelu Surf School. And because of, um, well, I follow Gary V or Gary Vaynerchuk. And then he was talking about sports cards. So I actually made a couple investments or or flips, you know. So for the viewers, this is my first card that I bought. This was a NBA Hoops Zion Williamson uh, PSA 10 card. And then my second purchase was this card. It's a Luka Doncic 2018 panini prism it's a psa 9 and this was before this is about a month ago when i first got into it so i my plan was to sell those cards and you know just make some money or or flip um you guys all know that the lockdown took place about a month ago so right after i bought those cards the nba shut down and then so now i was like i don't have a job i don't have anything coming in let's just get into sports cars and let's create content. So it's been about maybe three weeks I've been in the sports card industry. And actually, this is my first interview slash podcast. So you know, this is just my journey. I wanted to show my journey and what I learned. And I've also, I also think a lot of people came over from Gary Vee or Gary Vaynerchuk. So if you guys are listening okay. to this, you guys are in the same situation I am. So I wanted to now I'm at the point where I want to start doing more of these zooms with the people that I think that are super cool and give a lot of value. And I saw Rich we're, we'll get into Rich, but I saw his TikToks, I started to follow him, and then I saw his Twitter also, so I started to follow him there, and he gives a consistent wow. value. And, you know, I just I was just like, I have to do it. I have to ask Rich to come on here to give everybody else who is probably in the same situation I am, just to learn more about sports cards. So uh, without further ado, my special guest, thank you so much for being here. This is Rich Brummett, aka The Happy
1: Collector. Thank you so hey, much for, ha- for, for coming in, Rich. No, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm psyched. You know, um, I think a lot like a lot of people around my age group, I originally started collecting as a kid in the junk wax era. right? That's typically from 1987 to 94. A lot of people believe it stopped around the baseball strike in 94, when you destroyed the demand and the supply started to equalize out. Um, so I kind of walked away from that. That's when I was in high school, uh, if you will, probably before college, um, A few years back, maybe four or five years back, when I had my first, my my daughter, uh, who's seven going on eight, and I have my son three going on four, I wanted to get back into the hobby. And I didn't know the hobby re-exploded, right? I knew that I wanted to share sports with my kids. I wanted to be active in sports with my kids. You know, I coach my daughter's teams. I was starting to coach with my son's stuff. Um, I was wanting to share sports with them and then when I got into it I was like oh my gosh number one are they serious with the cost of these boxes number two are they are people really getting this much for these cards it was shocking and I quickly realized that if you approach this hobby correctly you can make money now the biggest thing I preach is consistency patience and being realistic. You know, one of the things that really drives me crazy is everybody uses the term investment, right? So the Gary V effect. Gary Vee, I follow. And I've, I've gotten him to follow me back on Twitter as well. He actually follows me back on Twitter. Um, I'm a huge proponent of his. And when he came in, he started talking about investing. But the guys he was talking about were really investment type of guys, like the Greek freak Giannis. People too much that they take that little snippet from Gary Vee and they use it for the entire hobby. And it drives me crazy. Giannis was a special case. In 2013, his rookie year, he averaged what, like 6.8 points a game. You could have got his cards for like a, his base cards for a dollar, his auto cards for like 10 20 $30. Now, you have to sell your car to get some of his cards. You know, that's the exception. Not the norm, though. And that's kind of one of the things that I try to pray, preach, I guess, if you will.
0: Nice. Yes. Cool.
1: Yeah. I, I'm finding out the same thing, too. You know,
0: just getting into this. Um, there, you know, I don't want to go too far, but it's just, it's kind of like you see a shiny object. You know, I'm always like, oh, LeBron James. Oh, Luca. Oh. And then I end up not buying anything because I don't know who to buy. Or what happens? I haven't done this. I buy them all. But... Before we get there, I opened up my Twitter, and this—I just wanted, this is the breaking news. Let, let's just talk about it for the viewers. Um, so, right. this is just Rob Gronkowski. You know, I, mm-hmm. I looked—I looked at it. I was like, no way, this is fake. But on ESPN, the Patriots have agreed to trade Rob Gronkowski to the Buccaneers in a deal that reunites their retired Titan with Tom Brady. I just wanted to get your um, your input on that.
1: So, of course, I'm aware. Um, when I when that dropped, I was pretty surprised. You know, uh, Rob Gronkowski, I follow him on social media. Um, he seems like he's having a great time not playing football. So I'm surprised he went back into this. Um, it's a great pairing back with his old buddy Tom Brady, certainly. Um, he's going to have to put some more weight on. Uh, you know, he's got a little slim, still in phenomenal shape. He's going to put some more weight on football weight. Um, could be a great pairing. I'm not where some people are where they're saying Super Bowl. I mean, Tom Brady is pushing the wrong side of 40 now, right? Um, Gronkowski hasn't played in a year. They have some talent there, certainly, and their defense is pretty nice. So anything's possible in the NFL is best way. Tommy, terrific. Um, but it's interesting. I went on eBay today just to see prices. Now, uh, Gronkowski's rookie year, I believe, is 2010. So the 2010 boxes, I wanted to see if they started spiking. There has been some spiking there. Um, Robert Gronkowski rookies, I um, always wanted to buy some. I had a few. So I'm like, you know, let me go pop in and just buy some of his tops Chrome. Really nice-looking cards. If you're looking for a Gronkowski rookie, I'd say the tops Chrome rookie. It's really sweet-looking. Um, I had three in my cart. By the time <laughs> I went to go buy them, they were gone. So, it's already happening. Yeah. And I put this, when we talk about the three market strategies, when I say investment, the speculative market, and then also the gamble, this is the speculative market. People yeah, you know, are spec- you know Rich, let's, let's get into that. Let's get into it right now. If you were going to – people are expecting that it's plausible that they'll play well and they'll win the Super Bowl. And winning with winning success – Cards typically can rise up. So people are, again, speculating that that's going to happen. Now you have two icons in the sport, which help greatly. I would never say buying a Tom Brady card is a gamble or is speculative. So Tom Brady, in my opinion, is the go. I mean, he, the, the, what he's done in the league has been phenomenal. Yes, if you can afford Tom Brady rookies, especially graded rookies, you should absolutely buy them. Those are the cards I say you buy. You lock in the safe, put in the closet, the shoebox, and and forget you even got them, right? And you go back 10 years later and say, wow, look what I have in my hands here, right? Um, so there's a little bit of a mix there. So it's going to be interesting to see how this really plays out. The gamble is is when you go after these prospects. For example, even in the NFL, so it's really, really – Prevalent in Major League Baseball because now you can get guys' cards uh, when they're like 18 years old. Some of these guys get drafted and then Major Leagues at 18, and they're getting cards. They're, they're Bowmans and their first Bowman papers and first Bowman crows. These guys are still in single A when people are clamoring over them, hoping that they're about to invest into the next Mike Trout. And you've seen what the Mike Trout cards done. So that's the gamble. Mike Trout, that's the investment card. Going after um, even a Louis Robert, who is the number three perfecter, Gavin Lux, or even a Wanda Franco. Well, these guys are, are studs. They're, they're, still, they're still in the gamble phase. They haven't taken any real time. Gavin Lux had about 20, 30 games in the majors last year. The other two haven't taken any real swings at a major league level yet. So that, that's really more where the gamble is. And now we're walking into the NFL draft, which is on the 23rd. You have everybody wanting Joe Burrow cards. I mean, I want Joe Burrow cards. I think <laughs> the kids are Tua is out there, you know. I mean, everybody's hoping that the comparisons, you're being compared to, Drew Brees, right, by Nick Saban, certainly, and by other experts in the league because of his quickness, his decisiveness, his twitchiness, if you will. Um, He's a really good decision maker. I I hate that hip injury. I think if that doesn't happen, he's going back and forth with Joe Burrow for the number one pick. Um, But those guys are all gambles. Who knows what's going to happen with them, you know? So I bought a bunch of those 2020 prison boxes both from Panini and I got lucky and I pre-ordered before Walmart stopped doing the pre-orders for the Megas and I was able to get a bunch of those cards, but I absolutely, after those guys' names are called, I'm going to be putting those guys up on eBay, on Facebook, wherever I have to, to flip those cards out. Because What I want is those players in the pro uniforms because collectors don't, they'll buy the college uniforms, collectors will right? And collectors like the college uniforms. But resellers and flippers understand the bigger value is really in the professional uniforms. So that's what you want. And it kind of bleeds into my other thing I always say. Some people question, they say, well, do I need a $1,000 to get into this, right? Do I need a $1,000 to get into the hobby? And I say, no, you don't. You can start with $5. You can start with $10. What you shouldn't do is go get a credit card on eBay or PayPal or anything silly like that and start charging it up and borrowing off of money that you don't have, speculating and gambling on players. On players now. We're talking about people. It's not like the market where Amazon is a corporation, you know, Tesla's a corporation, Apple's a corporation. That's who I in twenty eighteen, that's who I bought stock, those three companies. I also bought a lot of quote unquote stock and a lot of prospects, right? That we'll never hear from (laughs) ever again. Right. They're people, anything can happen. They might just not want to play again. You know, they might be like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I've gotten two concussions. I don't want to risk a third one. I'm out. There's the things that you can't, you can't plan for. And that's why I, I I hate to say the word investment, unless we're talking about iconic players.
0: Got it. Yeah. Uh, You know, like, Tom Brady is, would be an investment. Mike Trout would be an investment. Uh, Michael Jordan, uh, I can see, you know, I'm learning what, what you're trying to talk about. Even LeBron James would be an investment too at this point, I feel like. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. And then um, gambling, you know, would be these guys still. Luca and, and Zion, uh, from, the, from what you said. I can see they haven't. There's so much hype on Zion. There's so much. What if something happens to him then those cards go to zero? So I, I, I know what you're you're talking about
1: there. So I mean Zion is his strength is also his weakness. He's a big body guy and he gets in there, he forces his way in. I mean, I love Kid. I mean he's he's phenomenal, he's got a huge ceiling, but those things that make him great can also eventually tear his body down and shorten his career. And that's the X factor you have no idea. He can be great for five years, but if he gets hurt, knock on wood, he doesn't get hurt. I would never wish that on any player. If he gets hurt, those cards—what are you going to do with those cards now? Have you spent hundred thousand dollars or eighty thousand dollars? Are you crazy? That's a part. Of it. How much higher? How much higher could those cards possibly get? You know, if you're getting that, if you're pulling and ripping as they call it, right in the hobby. As one of those big time zions, and you sell for twenty five thousand, great. But I never fully understand the guy who buys it for twenty five thousand. That guy has a lot of guts. That's the guy who I admire, and I have a lot of respect for. But I'm also fearful for. Hopefully, he didn't borrow twenty five thousand dollars. He's just a wealthy guy that can afford to do it.
0: Yeah, you know. So I think that's that's good. If somebody is listening to this or or watching this. It's a gamble, guys. You are buying Zion's card, and he hasn't proved anything, like the the investments, like Tom Brady has won how many championships, Michael Jordan, LeBron, you know. uh, They've won so many championships. They've had so much records uh, and stats to look at. They'll always be relevant, as opposed to Zion. You're making a gamble. Um, So just, you know, like even for me, just starting out, maybe Rich can touch up on this. I can see it. I would sell Zion's card and invest in somebody else. That's, that's my strategy now talking to Rich and going forward. I want to sell these Zion cards as soon as possible. That's just my strategy. But, you know, just hopefully you're learning from what Rich is saying about a gamble and investment.
1: And, you know, with, and even with like, for example, your real financial portfolio, right? You shouldn't have everything in high risk items. And I'm certainly no financial expert but you shouldn't also have everything in safe items you know age goes into it of course as well same thing goes with sports cars and sports cars market you should gamble you should speculate i mean look at what's happening to the i would say non-special if you will michael jordan cards i was speaking with another uh collector over the last couple of days And he had a Jordan card, I think, 96, tops Chrome, or I forget exactly which one, 96, 98, somewhere in there. Um, In January, the card was selling for about $240. He asked me, he goes, oh, man, I'm really worried. I bought it for $660. you think I got scammed? I quickly tell him, no, not only did you not get scammed, but the last sell was $770. So he goes, what should I do? I said, what are you? Are you a collector? or are you a reseller slash flipper? If you're a collector, I might want to keep that car. It was a nice-looking car. But if you're a flipper, and reseller, you might want to cut your losses to say, I want to go make $100, $200 right now and then use that money for something else, right? No, there's no right or wrong answer what you're comfortable with. And, and that's what drives me crazy is these people talk in certainties. I'm not going to tell you. I have Zions that I'm holding. I mean, you said you're going to sell some, and I understand why. Yes, I would probably trade all my Zions for one PSA 10 Michael Jordan 86 Fleer Rookie. I, I would do it in a second. I, I love Michael Jordan. I love that card. Those prices are going up. He's an icon. And I know his prices are set. That card is what it is. It's only going to go up unless the entire market bottoms out, right? Zion is just such a... It's such a gamble. You can either one day uh, help pay for your college education or one day be like, wow, I have a really expensive piece of car."
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Uh, That leads into one of my questions from uh, one of my friends, I guess you can call. I, I asked a question. I was coming on here, and his name is Andrew. Let's just get to his question first. I think you kind of answered it already, but he said, is buying bulk and having all the rookies or just focus, focusing on Zion, even though he is super expensive, uh, a good investment? So should you invest in all the other rookies in bulk cheaper or or just buy one Zion? I think that's the question. What do you think, Rich?
1: I mean, all the rookies. I did see that question that had popped up, and it's such a broad question. Yeah. Certainly buy all the rookies. That's basically like going out and buying every single stock and, and hoping it pans out, right? We're trying to buy 10,000 lottery tickets just to hope you get better odds to win. I'd focus on the guys that you want to target, like the Zions, the Jaws. For me, example, I love Kobe White. I love his game, love the market he's in. He's in Chicago market who is desperately – they another superstar there, another glory market and there, but that, but that ultra superstar, I think Kobe could be that. Um, so those are guys I'm targeting. I'm certainly not casting a giant net and trying to buy everything up. Now, yes, you could get lucky and buy um, a lower-tier rookie because these guys are so young, right? These NBA guys are so young when they get in the league uh, and we judged him at 19, like oh, like a Markel Fultz, right? Like he he struggled. I mean, I'm I'm a Sixers fan, I'm I'm, I'm in the Philadelphia area. And I'm like, what's wrong with this guy? And I'd watch his shot, and like this shot is crazy. And then there started been rumors that he got in a motorcycle accident. Maybe that's how he hurt his shoulder. All this craziness happens. And he finally gets traded out. Unless he's in a new environment, he had a solid year until the you know obviously the season ended with a tr- upper trajectory. Now. I had a car to his that I pulled. It was a one of twenty five um, contenders auto, and I sold it. And I almost sold it out of sheer spite because I was mad at him yeah. <laughs> that he fit. <laughs> I love, but now I'm like, oh, that was stupid. I should have just waited. I should have waited uh, one more year just to see what happened because I probably got the same price a year later than I did then. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're here on the lockdown. There's no NBA games going on or even who, who knows if the NFL is, is going to go on. I haven't really done, watch any games. I'm a Le- LeBron and Lakers fan. So I, w- I only watch their teams. You know, now that we're all in this situation, we're all home. What kind of research can I be doing to look for a car to invest? Or is, is there anything, you know, like I basically, I'm here, sitting. I'm always looking and searching. That's a cool card. That's a cool card, but not having really direction. What would you suggest? The kind of research that I can be doing.
1: I think I think that's a that's a great question because right now people do have some extra time on their hands. They should be doing that research, especially if you're not familiar with the sport. And I see a lot of people, like you say, are bleeding over from the B side. And they know sneakers, or they know general resale and flipping in that way. You know, they can go to a garage sale and make two hundred dollars in it, in one visit, right? On you know, one Saturday afternoon, by selling plush animals and toys and so forth, right? And they're jumping into this market because they follow Gary Vee, and Gary Vee's now heavily invested in it and pushing it. Um, what Gary Vee knows what they don't understand is he's done his research. He's yeah. not just throwing wind he's done a ton of research he knows sports he may be the owner of the jets one day i mean he wants to own the jets one day right um all these guys who do well they do their research i follow this guy on twitter his uh, he handles that watch the breaks his names ivan from california he he'll throw out great tips on prospects now he's not always right but he's been right enough that has made me money right I found communities. I found people willing to share their information and knowledge, and to point me in the right direction. For example, for baseball, the Mi MLB pipeline, where they where they rank all the prospects. I, I look into that. I read it, and then I'll go into YouTube. I'll see if I can see some of the players' highlights. Because you're not going to get you're not going to see them live anyway. Even if we weren't on lockdown, I'm no major league scout, but I. I have an opinion. That's all we do is have an opinion, and I, I pair that with with other professionals in in the sports arena and see what the scouting reports are. And when people are are consensively saying, "Hey, this guy's going to be a hit," this guy's going to be a hit. I mean, a lot of times they are. I mean, there are busts. You know, everybody thinks of the Ryan Leeson you know of the world, and the Johnny Manziel's of the world. But those guys probably were stretches and overhyped to begin with, right? The real guys, like you know, take Ryan Leaf here, the paint Manning. There was no, there's nobody that doubted he could play. You know, every expert said this guy is be a superstar. You know, so I would, I would find the right resources. I'd, I'd listen to the sports experts to see what they have to say. I'd read articles from legitimate sites, um, and I'm not knocking people in the hobby or sports car market. I mean, I fall into that category, too. Again, I'm just giving you my opinion, and I make sure I don't ever speak in terms of certainty, because I don't want to lead people down the wrong path. I'm just telling you what I'm going to do. If you want to come follow suit, make money with me, or lose money with me, that's your choice, right? <laughs> but I stay, I stay away from people who absolutely know this is going to happen, or absolutely know this is going to happen, you know? Um because most times, then you click on their link and go onto their site and all of a sudden, it's give me $2,000 and I'll tell you the rest of the story. I'm not paying anybody $2,000 for any information that I can go get for free if I do a little hard work. This is not easy. And that's the biggest thing people have to understand. Use your time now, use it wisely, do your research. If you don't know about uh, baseball, either don't get into baseball cards or do a ton of research on baseball before you start buying cards same with any of the sports Um, soccer for example for me soccer is a hot product as an international product uh, the international card market seems to be taking off especially for basketball and soccer Um, there are a lot of players that i don't know about i know about the key players but there are other long plays that i don't know about so if i'm really going to seriously get into it I started watching video. I started reading articles from soccer experts to tell me this prospect is good and this is why. Rankings. And I compare all the information together. At the end of the day, I have to choose who I'm going to listen to.
0: Yeah, good, Rich. I, I think I already do that. Like I love grad sales and rummage sales. And then I was thinking about this question. And when I go to one, I already know what is valuable. It's because I've done the research research, meaning I've been on YouTubers, I've watched them, eBayers, I've watched what is valuable. I've also been on eBay to look at the product, how much it sold. So I love these. Um, To the viewers and listeners, I would also say get into Facebook groups because I'm in a couple of Facebook groups. Those are really good places. I learn a lot from those. You know, I read, you see the posts, you see what's coming up. Those are really good too. I like Rich. I follow Rich on TikTok. You know, there's other people that also do what uh, Rich does is put out value. You know, just go with people that you like. I've learned, I I like Rich's style. There's a couple other people, you know, so um, do your research and and just go from there. Yeah. So let's get into the next question. My next question is, um, you answered my first question. My first question was, what can I do if I don't have a lot of money? You kind of said that already. Uh, so my third question would be, can you talk about because I like I like the idea of buying a vintage shirt for fifty cents and selling it for a hundred. That's the kind of stuff that I do. You know, also video games that a grandma is selling his um, grandson's video game set, and I come in and buy it for ten bucks, and each game is worth a hundred bucks, kind of deal. So talk about. I think for me, what I'm what, what I am going towards is looking at raw cards and getting them graded to be a PS, PSA 10. Can you talk about raw cards and, and getting them graded?
1: It's a, tricky, it's a tricky thing. So right now, obviously, PSA. PSA is uh, just PSA, BGS, and SGC. Those are the only ones that I would ever send a card to. Uh, From a general resale value, most people will tell you PSA sells the best, um, comparatively speaking, right? Because it seems that most people are introduced to grading via PSA. Um, The best thing to do when you're trying to grade cards, is you need to go on their websites and you need to really follow their directions. There's a ton of directions. There's a certain way you need to send those cards in. You can't, they don't want them in top loaders and so forth. They want them in soft loaders. You need to follow their directions, and if you have questions, and I guarantee you the first time you will, you will have questions, call them. That's what I did. I, I contacted PSA directly, and I was before all this, and they answered the phone super quickly um, and gave me a ton of great information and guidance. And say, okay, this is how our pricing structure works. Um, this is, you're going to pay X for this type of card up to this value, over this value. The, it's an assumed value, right? You're, you're making an assumption on the value of the card, and that's how the pricing is usually tiered. Um, if you're wrong, they'll tell you you're wrong, and you'll have to give them some more money to get the card back, right? But also, as you said, the, the Facebook groups and Discord groups that are out there, there are people who do bulk submissions, and when you submit in bulk, say, a PSA, you might you might change a price point from 10 to $15 down to $8. So that's a way to control your costs as well. Um, but I think, generally speaking, when you have a card graded, especially in today's market, it's very important for resale. And I'll tell you why. Most transactions now are done what? through what? Through online sales, right? There's. There's certainly card sales still where card shows still where you can go and you can pick up a card and look at it and examine it and inspect it. But most times you can't do that. I buy the majority of my through eBay simply because there's not a ton of LCSs as local card shops left. Um, and there's not a ton of card shows that are consistent enough for my buying in nature. Um So, what I do when I buy a graded card i don't have to guess I don't have to buy one of those little measurers that I can put on there to see if it's centered right. I don't have to ask other people, which always drives me crazy. People post a picture online say, "Hey, can someone tell me if will this get a ten and that be people ask me, yeah, I think that looks like a ten are are you are you crazy uh, especially on these prism type cards, these shiny cards. If there's a little blemish, I mean, you can be nicked for surface issues right there. So there goes your 10, right? Um, so grading is, uh, grading's tricky. I know everybody likes talking grading, but grading's tricky. I think the best thing to do there, as with the other everything else, is do your research and you have direct links into those companies. Call them up, I've done it. I've talked to SGC as well. Um, uh, mainly through social media. They're incredibly responsive. And you know, I was introduced to that company actually through Gary Vee because I know Gary Vee loves SGC. Um, and I have to tell you, I love how the, I love the look of how they grade. Um, I think maybe long-term they might have some additional value, but right now, if you're going to get anything graded, I'd say I would recommend PSA over everything else, unless you have an absolutely... Pristine, perfect card that you're going to get tens across the board for, then you absolutely should send to BGS which you, Beckett, Gray Carding Services, because if you can pull what they call a BGS ten black label, that that jumps the price tremendously. It's basically saying this card, there is absolutely nothing wrong with this card, because. In the collecting world, everybody really does feel that BGS grades harder than PSA.
0: Yeah, nice, Rich. I've learned that also, too. I've looked at different Facebooks, and the black label is probably the top tier. It goes black label, 10s across the boards. And then I think it goes PSA 10, and then uh, slightly below because of the new market, I think what it is, they're almost the same, uh, 9.5 BGS and then the PSA 10, but it goes black label PSA ten, and then it goes nine point five BGS, and then so forth. You know, everybody has their difference. Coming from a new sports uh, card person, that's just what I see. I could be wrong, or I could be right, but
1: um, I mean, in general, in general, I agree with you. I mean, the BGS ten certainly would be what I would think would be over the PSA the because there's different levels of BGS tens. There's the ten pristine, the ten gem. So that you can still get a 10 if one of those four categories is at a 9.5 and everything else is a 10, you can still pull a 10, but you're just not pulling a black label 10.
0: Uh, Yeah, so it probably goes black label 10, and then the BGS 10, and then PSA 10, and then the 9.5. Yeah, that's good to know. That was all my questions. You know, I just, I have a lot of questions. I just want to do all of my, I'll do my own research. You know, I I hate it when somebody asks me for, for surfing tips when you could just go and find it yourself. You know, people just want to call me and get the answer from me. But, um, I don't know. Do you have anything else that you wanted to, to share with the the new sports people out there?
1: Well, I mean, uh, you know, this being your first podcast, um, I'd be interested in a little bit about you. So when, when you entered the market, I saw the first couple of cards you said you bought, which I would have bought too. I mean, those cards are great. I own the same cards. What are, which, what are your targets right now? What are, you, what are your goals right now? Are there any players that you're looking at right now and any sports in particular?
0: I love to watch football because I play fantasy football. So I enjoy that. And then I also played football too before. Um, I like basketball, um, but I only like LeBron. So like, I only like to watch, I've watched him, uh, throughout his years, but I've found if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong, but I've done some research and people say you should invest in basketball. Don't invest into football. If you do football, only invest into quarterbacks. Maybe you can quote on that, uh, talk about on that. Don't, invest in any of the running backs the wide receivers and i thought to myself why is that number one this is my own assessment it's because of the helmet their marketing is not that good because you can't see their faces for football also they get hurt you know once you get hurt that's it nobody wants a card for somebody that's getting hurt as opposed to basketball you can see their faces you know you follow them everywhere and then also too they don't get hurt. They have more games. You have more opportunities of seeing them on the TV everywhere and through social media. That's just what I thought. How do you feel about um, that research that I, that I got?
1: I mean, I a thousand percent agree with you. Um, I, I don't buy anything outside of quarterbacks at this point for, for either prospecting or even for the whole with with one exception, I will buy defensive players that I feel are once in a generation type players. Like I bought, I've gambled on some Nick Bosa autographs because the guy is the guy coming out of House there was a beast. Um, he had a great rookie year. You know, I bought those cards before. You know he played, so I was happy to see his rookie year. <laughs> um, He's in the jeans, You know his brother is not too shabby either. Um, but outside of the very minute, very few defensive players, Aaron, Aaron Donald's another one I really like. But outside of those guys, it's only quarterbacks. And one of the points you make, I think is a good point, is the market, marketability. You're right. These quarterbacks are the face of the franchise. When you drive by a stadium and they have a guy's face painted on the outside of the stadium, it's their starting quarterback. If it's not their starting quarterback, it's probably a bad football team they don't have a good starting quarterback and they're not probably winning any games, right? Um, I, I think their injury certainly is a risk factor as well. There's just more risk factors for other players. Their careers are shorter. They're more prone to injury. So I never go all in on any of those guys. I mean, I learned the hard way. You know, I, I, when I first got back in, I was, oh, running backs. I love running backs. With the new way that the NFL teams play now – how many running backs really are truly those workhorse running backs outside like, five? And those guys, because they're being used so long, are they going to really play more than 10 years? Maybe not even 10 years, right? Um, even a Christian McCaffrey, who I love, I think he's a stud. Now, if you bought his rookie card early, you're going to make money on it, certainly. Um, but I'm not going to invest in him because uh, – I'm too fearful of those red flags that don't come with Christian McCaffrey, but come with his position, you know. Um, last year, what was when the, when the 49ers were making their run? Uh, they had a running back, Raheem Mostert. If you watch that, he started exploding. And I watched his card start spiking. And people were like, you got to buy Raheem Mostert. I'm like, he's 28. I'm not buying <laughs> Of uh, a twenty-eight year old, twenty-eight uh, uh, year old runbacks card. Are you crazy? Even if he is awesome, the next few years he has an incredibly short window to be great, and that's not going to be enough to put him on the map of any type of real uh, collector or investor. And I watch people buy them up. I'm like, these people are crazy. I mean, they've. they've uh, sometimes me and my buddies, I collect mostly my buddy Ed, my buddy Corey. We look at the market sometimes and we say, I think people have lost their minds. When people start paying thousands, tens of thousands for some cards of these players that are unproven, I'm like, they must have uh, dump trucks of money being dropped out to their houses to make these huge gambles, right? Um, at least if you're going to do that, stick with quarterbacks. Now, I'll go deep. My buddy had I call him the QB Whisper because he gives me tips. Again, you find people you trust, right? Um, and my buddy Corey, I go to him for basketball tips, right? Uh, so I go and I ask him, "Who who do you like as a quarterback?" Right? And most times he's right. He gives me some really good tips. Well, last year I was been te- I've been teasing him. He's like, "Oh, Ryan Finley looks great. You know, everything looks great about him." I read, but my research was telling me not so much. He's a weak arm. Um, Leadership ability is here and there. Uh, they, a lot of things I, I saw uh, pegged him more as a career backup. But I've seen Ed be right more often than wrong. So I went with Ed. I have uh, maybe one of the best Ryan Finley collections outside maybe Ryan Finley himself. I have so many autos and numbered parallels and, and base cards with him. It's cra- I went all in. On Ryan Finley and and now this year the Bengals are going to draft Joe Burrow Ryan Finley may not make the team and I have have hundreds of his cards like what am I gonna do with those cards and Finley won't buy those cards from me you know so now again I have a bunch of expensive um, cardboard luckily I didn't spend a ton of money for him because he was a later round draft pick, right? What, maybe a fourth round draft pick. Um, so his cards weren't crazy expensive. And I got a lot, I got lucky through a lot of breaks picking up his cards because was always picked the Bengals because they were the cheapest team. And, and his autos kept popping for me and kept popping for me. Like, wow, I'm just collecting, collecting. But now again, I just got a bunch of fancy cards. I'm not fully giving up on him because, again, he's still young. A change of scenery it could be mean the world to him. Um, it's way too early to give up on him, but I'm certainly stuck with him at this point in my mind.
0: Yeah. Thank you for the the football. Um, how about basketball? So I've been doing some research. You know what I've been doing is looking at Michael Jordan and LeBron, and I've also seen this somewhere else. People, it's it goes back to the mark marketing part about basketball players it is the people that handle the ball the most, you know, like in, in your uh, experience, who, what type of person should I be, should I be investing in? I heard don't invest in big guys because they hardly get the ball. Don't invest in people or collect people or flip people like big men. Cause they don't get the ball that much. Invest in people that will handle the ball. Cause they're always in the spotlight. Uh, but also there was another factor. You want people that score, people that handle the ball. Um, so, which is Giannis or Giannis. He scores a lot. He has that marketability, but he, he can also dribble the ball down, even though he's a bigger player. Like LeBron, he dribbles the ball down. He's also a scorer. So what type of people should we be kind of looking at? or Or like the height-wise, you know, like, I've noticed that Michael Jordan was six six. I also noticed that LeBron is six eight. Giannis is like I don't know six nine. A person that I really love. It's good that you're from Philadelphia. Was Allen Iverson. I love Allen Iverson. I grew up in his time. He played. He played at the. Uh, he played at the the tournament that we have here on Maui. I, me and my dad actually went to go watch him before he went to the NBA the next year. So, great. like looking at players like that he's not going to be a star in investment. Like Allen Iverson is one of the best players, but he's not Michael Jordan or LeBron. You know, I feel like he's, he's a lower tier type of person. Um, but how do you feel about that type of, like, who do we look for in basketball, height and, and everything?
1: It's funny because I don't, I, don't, I don't think about it in terms of height. I think about it in terms – I think when you're saying – Who's going to have the ball? Who's going to be the most marketable? Um, I don't necessarily stay away from all big men, but in general, um, I'm not a lot of centers I'm targeting, right? Most of them are small forwards. Point guards, I like. Shoot, shooting guards, you know, in Jordan's time, that was the, the premier position. Everybody wanted the shooting guard, right, because of Jordan. You had Drexler and all, all those other peers at that time, too. Now it's more point guards. um it's more small forwards, power forwards, you know, some big men here and there. Like the Giannis is again the reason to call him the Greek freak, he's not normal. He probably could play any position on the court. So could LeBron. LeBron could literally play any position on the court. He's right? like the
0: point guard now, yeah.
1: I mean yeah, but he's that because they need him to be that. He can be anything they need him to be. Those guys are in a rare they, no one is like them. No one will be like them, right? Um, but if you're talking in generalities, I mean, let's, for a second, let's pull about so Alan Iverson, right? Um, you say he's in a different tier. He didn't make it. That's partly on Number one, it's partly Alan Iverson, right? He had a bad attitude. Um, he, he, his commitment from a practice standpoint to the game standpoint, and I know at that level, the the importance of practice starts to go down. But if you look at the guys like Jordan, Jordan, even when he was, Michael Jordan was still spending hours in the gym, just shooting free throws. He wasn't out at the clubs. He wasn't out partying. He was out just hanging out. He was shooting. Now he did a lot of the other stuff, you know, I mean, some of the stories about Michael Jordan and his gambling and all that kind of other stuff. Uh but he did the he did the work in the gym first and then he went out and did the uh, other things, right? Alan Iverson had his attitude. He had the fact that he was a point guard but only in name only, right? He he was not a great passer. He wasn't the greatest leader. I mean he took the, the team to the finals one year against the Lakers. We know we all know what happened there. Um, at the end of the day, his size to your point is what ended his career. He played in the tail end of the Jordan era, and the Jordan era was when basketball was very physical. Now, people, especially with the Last Dance um, documentary, see people saying, oh, LeBron would have dominated back then, and so forth, just looking at his size. The type of basketball they played when Michael Jordan played, LeBron would have hated. LeBron doesn't like to get hit. Besides being an amazing basketball player, he's an amazing actor. Not in terms of the movies he's done, but the times you touch him and he's flopping all over the place, right? Um, he would have hated that style of basketball. I'm not saying he's a punk. You know, he could throw me with one arm through a, through a, through a wall. But he, that's not his game, right? So to say that he could have dominated back then, I think, is it, taking a bit of a leap and stretch. Jordan, on the other hand, at would have dominated now, would have dominated 10 years from now. I mean, he's a different breed, right? So sometimes, and again, that goes back to we're investing, gambling, speculating on human beings. And there's a lot of factors that go into that. You and I, just look at us. Today, we're having a great conversation, great talk. As soon as we get off, something could happen. We could be miserable about something, you know? Um, or we could be ecstatic about some things can happen so quickly because we're human beings, we're people. Athletes are no different, they just have a lot more things that they have to manage to keep their body and their mind on the correct trajectory. So, when it comes to basketball, I actually also look at the person themselves, and look at any character red flags. And I do that across all sports. If there's character red flags, I look at that. There's injury, red flags, i looked at. That's my biggest hangout with Tua in football right now. I hate that injury I hate it. I hate it. It scares me. You know, um, Kevin Durant, um, I recently pulled a redemption card for Kevin Durant, auto redemption card. And uh, two years ago, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, Kevin Durant, auto redemption card. Tearing your Achilles heel for an uh, uh, NBA player is uh, is bad. I mean, it's really, look what happened to Kobe's career after he did that, right? I mean, he was never the same. And he was the ultimate competitor, and he still was never the same. So I have real fears about how he'll come back from that. So now I'm hesitant, do I sell that card? And that, again, goes because of the red flag of the injury. So for me, it's less about height, it's less about weight, unless they're incredibly short or incredibly overweight or anything like that Um, it's more about playing those key positions where like you're saying they're getting the ball that they can become the franchise and quite frankly what market they're in if you look from an offensive standpoint and um, you can fact check me later right Trey Young and Luka Doncic their their actual stats are very close especially this past year from an offensive standpoint but Luca is a much more complete player on both sides of the ball. Trey is, he has defensive holes that his other teammates didn't have to pick up, right? So that's a huge factor. Secondarily, Atlanta Hawks versus Dallas. Dallas is a much bigger basketball market at this point, And you're seeing the difference. And when you look at the factors, on paper, they look like the same type of player if you look at just the numbers and the positions and so forth. But when you add in the other factors of market, uh, and then that goes into the marketability, like you're saying, I mean, they seem to outweigh everything else.
0: Yeah. What, you know, Rich, what is the bigger markets? When I hear that, what is, I know it's LA, and I know it's New York, uh, also Dallas. Yes, I know. But, what is a what is considered to be the bigger market and what is a lower market, which is Atlanta? I, I could figure this out, but I just wanted to ask you right now. You know, like what is a, what is the best markets to be in, uh, which is LA and New York? I would think.
1: I would a thousand percent agree with you. That's why you see the NFL constantly trying to put teams in LA. It fails. It constantly fails, even right now. They don't draw crowds. Um, it's too nice. People want to be outside. They want to do other things. Yeah. I mean, look at Florida. Any of the Florida teams, they can't pay people to go to those games. Even when the teams are really good, they can't pay people to go to those teams, go to those games. Uh, but LA certainly is a huge market. New York, um, Philadelphia, Chicago. Um, I also would preface that it depends on the sport itself, right? Because what's a what about water?
0: basketball? What's the big big markets in basketball? I would say I follow a couple of people and they're huge on Jason Tatum. Is Boston considered a big a big
1: market? They love basketball in any of those New England, while they seem on paper to be smaller cities, they're incredibly passionate about their sports teams. And that trumps the fact that Boston's a small say a smaller city than some other cities. Yeah,
0: so I'm I'm getting that L.A., New York, Boston. You know, I'm just trying to look at little angles and little things that I can pick up on. If I am looking at a certain player, if it was a person from Atlanta and a person from Boston, I'll go a little bit towards the Boston player to like to flip and everything as I'm doing my research.
1: I mean, look at Jason. I mean, look at Jason Tatum versus. I know they're not apples or so apples completely, but Jason Tatum's top-tier cards versus Trey Young's top-tier cards, you know. um, I'd rather be collecting Jason Tatum because I'm more comfortable with both his game and his market. Um, But if you're looking to flip and resell, you might look at the Trey Young card and say, his card is undervalued. And all it takes, people don't live on these teams anymore. They don't spend their entire career on those teams. Trey Young gets traded to LA or goes to the New York Knicks, you know, um, the Nets, um, Philly, Boston. He goes to one of those teams. Who knows what happens? His car could explode, you know. Um, so you can't just go by what the current market they're in. You you have to go by their their potential, and especially the young players. You know they're not going to spend their career there. So I try to. When I think of Trey Young, I do think of him still as a gamble card, but I think it's a good gamble because the kid can play. If he can, if he can develop a little bit more in the defensive end, I'd feel a little more comfortable with him. And if he can get out of Atlanta, I'd feel a lot more comfortable with him. Um, but only time will tell. Again, it's a gamble. I always say all of us that are in this market, we have a gambler's mentality, right? Because Why do I go out and buy boxes? I go out and buy hobby boxes and retail boxes knowing there's probably three or four guys that I want in that box. There's all I really want in that box are three or four guys. And most times it'll be cheaper for me to actually go buy those direct cards as opposed to buying $300 boxes to hopefully get that card. Because when I buy that, I'm also hoping not only am I getting say the Zion but I'm getting the one ones on. Hey, somebody has to pull it, right? Why can't it be me? Well, it hasn't been me yet, so it hasn't been the experience yet, right? But we still buy that for that hope for that gamble that one day our golden ticket's gonna come, you know. If you want a specific player, go get that player. You know, obviously if you want to gamble make some gambles too, because you're you're not going to probably go out and buy the average collector. He's not going to spend $25,000 on that top-tier Zion card. So, yeah, of course, buy some boxes and see if you can pull it. But don't put all your money into that. Go out and buy the actual singles. That's the best thing and best strategy for you.
0: Yeah. I just wanted to put this on record. I actually, um, where we are, we don't have any, what is it called, Um, card shops, like you said. What is it called, LCSs? We don't have any here. Yeah, okay. we don't have any here. So, And also with the NBA being so popular, we have one Walmart and one Target on the island. Those are okay. gone. We all, I got into the Facebook group. They're like, don't go to Walmart because the worker there, he's a collector and he buys all the basketball cards. So what I did was I went into these group breaks. I got so addicted. I must have done, I did only like two, but I found out, yeah, I found out really quick that it's just gambling. And I look at the money that I spent on doing the group breaks and my my rookie strategy was to, uh, really quick, my rookie strategy was to, I like LeBron, I couldn't afford LeBron, so I actually bought the players on his team for really cheap, hoping that when they win the championship, those cards will go slightly up Then I would sell the cards. So I bought a JaVale, McGee, Otto, I bought... Different parallels of Rondo, Rajan Rondo. I bought Anthony Davis. You know, that was my theory, but I heard that theory is not right. People were telling me just buy the stars, just buy a cheaper LeBron, you know, if you're going to do something like that. So, well,
1: you can buy the cheaper. That's what I like to call that flipping up. You buy the cheaper cards. For example, I had, I bought uh, uh, like three PSA 10 John Moran's. I was at a card show. And the guy who was selling them, he had sent a ton of them in to PSA to get graded and a bunch of them came back as PSA tens or nines. I bought all his PSA tens and I just missed his Zion. He had a few Zions. A guy beat me by a minute and <laughs> bought them bought them too. he was selling for twenty dollars a piece.
0: Oh I was my like
1: twenty hoops card and I was like, I know, well, this is like a two, three dollar card. This is still a PSA 10 and this is 20 bucks. I, right in front of him, I went right on eBay. And this is a point I'd like to make too. Well, right on eBay, and I saw all the cars were selling. The last sale was, the sales were going between $100 and $150. I said, This guy, I don't know, I don't know why he was selling them for $20, but I bought them. I, I would have bought every single If he had 100 of them, I would have bought 100 of them. I sold them. Incredibly quickly, and I, and now it's funny because I sold I sold them about a hundred dollars a piece. I paid twenty for it. I looked today, and this is what you shouldn't do because you keep, you'll get sick to your stomach. I today; someone sold one for one hundred ninety. Now I did for myself, right, for my own collection, so I still have it. But I'm like, oh, and then you start second guessing to yourself and doubting yourself, right? Um, so that's one point I did want to make is the huge difference between the junk wax era, 87 to 94, and today, pricing and, 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 and speculation on prices. Back then, you had to rely, I'm going to leave the company's name out, but you had to rely on hard copy books that you went to the 7-Eleven and bought. And they told you this card, this Ken Griffey Jr. card is worth this $50. I remember when the upper deck was the 89 upper deck, Graphic card came out, it was worth $50, and I pulled one. I thought I was a millionaire, right? Um, then you had to rely. That was right. Now you don't have to do that. You go pop on eBay, pop on any of the reselling sites, and you can see what people are actually paying for the card. So when people say, well, the book price is this, forget the book price. I don't care what the book says. If the last 20 people bought the card at $100, then it's a $100 card. I don't care if the book says $1,000, it's a $100 card. The market's dictating it. And one of the cool things that the on Twitter, the guy at Watch the Breaks, Ivan, he always says, if you don't know what a card's price is or you just want to see what the market's really going to bear, put it up for a $0.99 cent auction, seven-day $0.99 cent auction, and just don't, don't freak out and sit back and see what the market's going to tell you what that card's value is. And I've seen it work. Now, if you don't get the views, you can really get, you know, messed up doing it that way. But at the end of the day, the market is going to dictate the price. And we have it literally at the tip of our fingers. Instantaneously, we can tell what a car is worth because of sites like eBay going into the filters, filtering for completed and sold. Always completed and sold because it tells you two things. One, what it's selling at. And two, the completed tells you how many postings didn't sell. So great, they're selling at $100, but 100 items never sold. 100 postings were out there, two were sold. That tells you, wow, it might be worth $100, but no one really wants the card. So what, how good is it if no one wants it? If there's no demand. There's no, worth, there's no worth really to you as a flipper seller.
0: Yeah, I got I to gotta remember that too, completed sales. I, I do those too, but what I look for is, and then I from there I filter the most recent sold and then it breaks down. I got to look into that because the completed, yes, it'll show you if it's sold or not. And I'm just going off of the recent sold and then like the highest price basically.
1: Um, so Abba, let me ask you a question, I guess. Yeah. So you are... So I know twenty twenty we're going through everybody's going through this quarantine and it's been a very rough twenty twenty for a lot of people. Um, everybody's been affected. Some unfortunately um, uh, in way worse ways than others, right? And your heart and prayers go out to them, of course, as well. Um, it's funny though because when you look at the market, the sports card market and the resale market, I mean, you're you like you said you're you hit the garage sales, you're a general reseller, people are still buying stuff. (laughs) People are still buying cards. Even with the market, the general market uncertainty and the job uncertainty and the health uncertainty, people are still buying cards. People are still buying collectibles. People are still buying these items. Um, uh, If anything, I'm selling more, not less right now. So looking at 2020 into, I guess, mid 2021 where do you want to be at and say mid 2021 that's different than where you're at today
0: i know i will learn a lot like this is my first zoom i will take this zoom interview and learn from it and make it better i will also learn tiktok i will also learn instagram i will also learn all of that stuff. And along the way from learning sports cards, I'm also learning how to do a lot of other stuff. By the time 2021 comes around, I will have a good grasp on sports cards. I mean, it is still a gamble. Like you say, it's speculative. You still have to do your research, but I will know I will be comfortable on the sports market and everything else. I will also know how to do all of these technical things because I'm doing it every day. But what I'm also really excited about is making the connections. Like you, this is a connection that we're making. And then I'll also make another connection and another connection. And then I feel like that is really good too. But going back to um, selling, I, also, I have a lot of stuff that I've had in my garage for a long time because I've tried to sell it and I couldn't sell it, like video game stuff. I post one video game thing um, and it sells right away. So you also have to, yeah. You know what you also have to do, um, what, what I think is interesting is history. If you look at history from marketing and business, you know, I look at history and I kind of copy what they've done because it works today. But also I think it's called psychology. I forget what it's called, but everybody is indoors. We can't go outdoors. And you realize that we have this internet thing. The only thing to do now is to buy stuff. So I think it makes sense that everybody is buying stuff because you're on your phone and you're like, oh, that's cool. I follow him on YouTube and that card looks really cool or that vintage T-shirt. I'll buy it from him. So I think that's why we are seeing a lot of things because the the psychology or the it's indoors. Everybody is indoors. So you kind of play out
1: to that. You want to escape your current reality and you do so by buying that rookie card or buying a pair of Yeezys or, or buying that vintage concert, uh, t-shirt. No, I agree with you. That's a good point.
0: Yeah. Cool. So I think that's it. I don't want to take up too much of your time, Rich. I mean, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's super cool. So everybody listening, you know, I will look at the notes or look at the YouTube video or wherever you are. I will put Rich's handle everywhere. Um, Rich Bromet, that's how you said? Absolutely. Yeah. Rich Bromet uh, at the happy collector. He's on TikTok. I follow him on Twitter. Now I follow him on Instagram. It'll be everywhere. If you guys have any questions, you know, comment down below, but also go follow rich, ask him any questions about sports cards. Um, but that was it. That was super fun. Thank you again, rich for joining me on this podcast and
1: interview. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to do it again. You know, um, you know, after you get a few more months down the line and you have some additional questions, quite frankly, one day, because you have a reseller background, you'll probably be schooling me and helping me out, quite frankly. So I'll be probably reaching out to you one day soon. Sounds good. Thanks again. Thanks, you guys, for joining us.
0: Take care. Aloha.